previously on Maverick. Those two guys took Bishara inside of the shop, closed the doors, and that's when his uncle just kind of went off on him. My uncle got up and hit me. He said, where is the book he's reading? He took Bishara's Bible, he ripped it in half and threw it in the trash. Then he took me in his car and delivered me to the police station. He had this really amazing vision. And then there's another guy, he has a vision. And it's these same angels. And lo and behold, there was something pretty profound that was coming down the tracks. You're listening to Maverick, and this is episode four of Bashara's story. After he got Bashara thrown in jail, his uncle went home, went to bed, and his plan was to get Bashara the next day. But when he woke up in the morning, something was wrong with his body. He had this crazy severe swelling in his arms and neck, and it got so bad that he ended up in the hospital. And he was at the premier hospital in town, which has expatriate doctors that come in, and they told him, look, as far as we can tell, we don't understand what's going on with you. And his uncle responded and said, I know what's going on. God has cursed me. And Bashara's uncle wasn't talking about the God of Islam cursing him. He was convinced that the God of the Bible, Bashara's God, was cursing him. Because by this time, his uncle had a bit of history with God. When he tried to shoot Bashara, he immediately recognized that it was supernatural intervention, and he walked away knowing that God was powerful. And then when he beat Bashara and woke up with swelling, he recognized that God was not only powerful, but opposing him. And then something happened that left him convinced. Because late one night at the hospital, he had a vision. There were two angels who came in the room and sat down in front of him. Dan and Ryan were there, just like in Bashara's vision. But this time, instead of sitting quietly, the angels rebuked him. They told him to stop persecuting Bashara and to listen to what he had to say. And then two days later, his uncle sent for Bashara to come into the hospital. So it's again this conversation, what do I do? And I said, I don't know, man, let's pray about it. And he felt led to go. And so Bashara went to this hospital. There were maybe half a dozen people in the room, all of them military, some of them dressed in fatigue, some in plain clothes. And his uncle told him this vision that he had, and he was in tears asking for forgiveness. So Bashara was sitting there with the very person who stole everything from him, someone he thought would never believe. And through tears of his own, Bashara forgave his uncle. And he told him the gospel, and then his uncle asked him to pray for healing. And I love how this scene unfolds because it's just this brand new believer sort of walking other people through prayer. Bashar is in this room with his uncle and these tough military guys, and he tells them that they all need to close their eyes, and then when he's finished praying, they all need to say amen, and they do it. And so Bashar prays for healing, and he gives his uncle a Bible and tells him to read it, and then he leaves. After five or six days, my uncle's swelling was gone. He told the police who were with us, they said, now we also want to believe in this Messiah. They said to meet them at the hospital where the healing took place and together my uncle and nine policemen became believers. 
that was in October, I believe. Yeah. And it, it was just like maybe a week after that, that he got news of his mother. Okay. So up until this point, Bashar was in a different country than his parents, but his mom ended up coming to town for a funeral. And while she was in town, her health took a turn for the worse. My mom, from the time she was 17 years old, had a sickness. My father has done everything to help her. He took her to Sweden for an operation. She went to Russia for treatment, and my father even brought a doctor from Cuba to help her. This wasn't a new sickness, but her heart was getting weaker, and she needed to be hospitalized. So only a few days after visiting his uncle in the hospital, Bashara got a call from his mom. My mom said to me, Bishara, I've heard about the miracle that you have been doing. And that's when you prayed for people in the name of Jesus, the Lord heals them. I want to see you. Can you pray for me in the name of Jesus? And when Bashara's mom said that she had heard about what he'd been doing, she wasn't just talking about his uncle's healing. By this point, Bashara had seen many people be healed in the name of Jesus. He'd been walking around, sharing the gospel with people. He had these groups that he was meeting with, and people's lives were starting to turn around, and word was clearly getting out. Bashara was a new man. I mean, shaming and excommunication was designed to essentially ruin him, that he should collapse socially, collapse emotionally, but somehow he didn't, and people heard about it. He just had nothing to lose. I think that's, I don't know how to say it a different way, you know, like his mission was proclaiming Christ, and that was what he was doing with his day. You know, so by that time, he's got about eight people. And keep in mind, by now he's been a Christian for about four or five months. And then the eight goes to 10, the 10 goes to 15. And then after he'd been a Christian of about six months, he's got 25 people that he's leading and discipling. And they're meeting in his house in the room that he's renting. And so you had this really funny situation where his living situation, this little little house, and increasingly you've got 10, 15, 20 people, men and women, boys and girls coming into the room and this fundamentalist guy is asking Bashar, what are you guys doing in there? And he would just say, we're praying. Uh, this is just really funny because they were, but in Jesus' name. So these 25 people turned into 31 and then 52 and the thing just kept getting bigger and bigger. And Bashara, whether he wanted it or not, was at the epicenter of it all. That turning point with his uncle, it kind of took his faith from, this is what I believe, to this is who I am, if that makes sense. So afterwards, he's just increasing in faith, and the Lord is bringing hungry people into his path. And it's a pretty amazing testimony to the Holy Spirit that so many people were ready to hear the word. And so it's, this attraction, it's like a bunch of hungry people found somebody giving them food or somebody with a light. They've been in darkness and so they're coming to the light. Where'd you get this light? What is it like? Tell me about it. And Bashara's mom was one of those hungry people. 
She had heard about a guy who had answers, and he happened to be her son. So she asked Bashara to come see her at the hospital. When I went into the room, she wasn't even able to sit up. I sat down on the floor next to her, then I started reading my Bible out loud. She was listening for a very long time. After a while, she said to me, Bishara, I want to read that book. I was shocked. I got up, took the Bible and went next to her like this. She took it and said, where do I start? It had gotten really late, so as Bashara's mom continued to read, he fell asleep on the floor next to her. He wasn't sure how long he'd been sleeping when he heard his mom saying his name. He jolted awake, and the first thing he noticed was that she was sitting up, which she hadn't been able to do earlier. The second thing he noticed was that she was crying. She told him that something like a cool hand had touched her chest and a voice said, be healed, and the heaviness in her chest disappeared. Two of Bashara's siblings had been at the hospital with them during all of this, so the next morning his mom, sister, and half-brother all became followers of Jesus. When my mom was no longer sick, she went to other parts of the hospital and testified to them what happened. They said, where is Bishara? Tell us about your God so that we can believe in him too. I told them, all Jesus had done for me. And they said, we believe. Give us Bibles. And that's when he called Dan and told him what had happened and said that he was going to need a backpack full of Bibles. So Dan picked up Ryan and they headed to meet Bashara. We got there and B has got a book bag full of Bibles and it wasn't visiting hours. And so he had to kindly convince the, the guards at the hospital to let us in. And when we did, we got into the ward where his mom was. And as soon as she saw us from a distance, she was just beaming. And the first thing that she did was she gave us all a big hug. And she said, I'm in the light now. I'm in the light now. It was pretty amazing. So here's this guy who's surviving persecutions and bearing up under the weight of trials. He's leading Bible studies. He's praying for people and they're actually getting healed. He's sneaking Bibles into places and teaching military men how to pray and forgiving those who have persecuted him. He's having dreams and visions and experiencing miracles and losing everything for the sake of the gospel. And he's less than a year into walking with Jesus. And you kind of have to stop and ask yourself, what is it with Bashara? I do not have a training. I'm not educated in the Bible. I don't have the words or the ability. People hear and believe. They read the word of the Bible and know that they are true. It's not because he's this superhuman person. It's because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Remember in episode one where I told you to tuck some things away? Here's where another one becomes important. Because Dan will be the first to say that there really isn't anything extraordinary about Bashara. He's a picky eater, not a great listener, and a pretty typical millennial from skinny jeans to flakiness. He's pretty bad with follow-up and sometimes even showing up, and that has definitely rubbed people the wrong way. 
He grew up getting whatever he wanted and has a long list of regrets because of it. This isn't really a character thing, but Dan even talks about how his hair sort of looks like Kramer's from Seinfeld. The point is that Bashara isn't the point. This is a story about the Holy Spirit and what he's capable of. This is a story about an ordinary guy and an extraordinary God. And that's why it's important for us to remember, God doesn't just use ordinary people. He only uses ordinary people. This is J.T. English. He's a Bible scholar with a master's degree in historical theology and a Ph.D. in Trinitarian theology and biblical authority. It'd be hard to, like, throw a dart at a page of the Bible and not hit something that addresses something like this. It's just these people in the biblical story, and God just meets these average, regular people in their everyday lives and says, I'm going to bless the world through you. And it's not that I'm trying to pick on Bashara, but he's in a long line of unremarkable people. From Moses' stutter and David's stature to Paul's criminal record and Timothy's age, the Bible is full of stories about broken people being right in the middle of what God is doing. Even when Jesus came to earth, he surrounded himself with less than impressive people. He first picks Matthew, a tax collector, which if you're Jewish at the time, this guy's the enemy. He is taking your money and giving it to Rome, and he is a traitor. And at the same time, Jesus picks Simon the Zealot. He is a zealot against Rome. Like Simon walked around with a sword to shiv people with in the back. What Jesus did is he picked somebody who's basically given allegiance to Rome and somebody who's basically needs to overthrow Rome. And Jesus says, hey, the two of you, you're with me and I'm going to transform your lives for the sake of the kingdom. And so if you and I are looking for what makes Bashar's story unique, we probably aren't going to find that answer in his character. God chose to use him despite his weaknesses. But I think if there is a difference between us and Bashara, it might be his willingness to embrace the broken parts of life. Not only his brokenness, but the brokenness of his circumstances, the persecution and pain of following Jesus. He's willing to walk into situations that a lot of us aren't, and that sets him apart. Not as an elite Christian, but as someone who God will bless. As I think specifically about the Bible, there really is a pattern of persecution followed by fruitfulness. And sometimes we romanticize these early brothers and sisters, and we really need not to. They were just like us, regular common men and women who were working jobs or raising families, and and God meets them in the person of Christ and fills them with the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden they are enduring persecution. Some of the most fruitful people I know are people who have wrestled with God in the pit of despair, in darkness, and come out on the other side as fruitful men and women because they've been in the presence of God. And I don't know any other recipe for that than persecution and suffering. So you have to ask yourself the question, what's the difference between Bishara four months ago, super normal dude, and Bishara that is all of a sudden bearing fruit wherever he is? It's this crucible of persecution where he was not ashamed of Jesus. He wasn't ashamed of the gospel of Christ that one, galvanized his faith, but two, I think the Lord loves to bless. And I think more than anything else, I hope that Bashar's story does for you what it's been doing for me, which is to leave you really open to the possibility that God actually wants to use you like he's using Bashar that maybe he could bring hungry people into your path and that you could actually see fruit wherever you go. But I'm starting to wonder if you can have one without the other 
the fruit without the suffering, the galvanized faith without the desperate circumstances, the healing without the brokenness. Bashar would tell you that if it's a package deal, it's a deal worth taking. From the moment I became a Christian, I said to the Lord, I want only three things from you. First, I want to contribute my life to you. Second, give me strength and encouragement. And the third, the third thing, let the Holy Spirit descend on me. These things I wanted and these things I've seen the Lord do since the beginning. So there are incredible things going on, person after person coming to faith, and even Bashar's family starting to turn around. And without his uncle trying to hurt him anymore, you'd think things would be looking up for Bashara. But the thing is, as the gospel was spreading and word was getting out, Bashara was in more and more danger. You can't just go walking around doing the things he was doing without being targeted. So someone else was about to step into Bashara's story someone a whole lot more powerful and angry than his uncle. On the next episode of Maverick. Everything went really haywire after Bashada's mother would not return to Islam. And he says, one of two things is gonna happen. Either you're gonna to return to Islam or I'm gonna kill you. If you shoot her, I will shoot everyone in this room. Maverick is brought to you by Pioneers. Special thanks to our guest JT English and to Fis Akonga as the voice of Bashara. For show notes or to find out how you can get involved, go to pioneers.org slash maverick.